let's open our Bibles once again to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. We continue in that, in that study today, Joshua 24. Uh, we started it last week. Um, Lord willing, we'll get done with this today. Joshua chapter 24. And the situation there that we're looking at was the fact that um, Joshua had preached a message thanking God for all that God had done. And he recounts the things God had done. But now he says, we're at the point now where we have to do something else. And I think I got down, uh, Joshua 24, I think I got down through verse 15 last week. And we left ourselves with a verse that said, or down through um, uh, verse, I think we, verse 14 is, I think, is where I think we finished. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and, and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the of the other side of the flood. I've read that so much in the old King James. The other side of the river and in Egypt. And he put in exclamation points. Now these other languages did have ways of expressing a strong emotion. They did have emphatic tenses that really stressed this is what you have to do. Serve the Lord. I think I left the challenge with you last week that um, as our church begins to see a little bit of growth and um, and, and things are happening and we're reaching and we have new families coming to the church. We have um, visitors and all that kind of stuff. And I look out at our town and I say, God, what can we do in this town? I've been living in Nace. We've been living in Nace. 21 years now? 21 years last April? We've been living in Nace 21 years. And I look and I say, Lord, what have what impact have we made? We've had a church in existence since, I think it was um, 2002, 2003, that we constituted as a church. The church has been in existence for about 15 years now. And I say, what impact has our church made in this town? And I'm not belittling the impact we have had. We've had a lot of outreach to children, to teenagers. We have people who've been into the church. Uh, I had somebody share with us one time. We think about all the people who've been through this church and God has sent out to other parts of the world to serve Him all over the world. I'm grateful for the impact we've had. But we, we're looking at a time, um, and a, we do live in a very broken, very distraught, and very distressed world. And we live in a, we live in a place and we live in a time when we need to dedicate ourselves to truly serving God. And that's the challenge Joshua has. They've, uh, they've, they've finished conquering the land. They've done a lot, but now they're ready for the next step. He says, serve the Lord. He says, make a decision. And um, we have all kinds of things that keep us from making that decision. Uh, when we make a decision to serve the Lord... Okay, well, let's, let's, look at verse, let's start verse 15 now this morning. Uh, let me go back a bit. One second here, sorry. Alright. As we, as we come down to verse 15, we read the words in verse 15, and I'm going to read the rest of the applicable section to you, um, and then we'll get, get into the message. He said, he leaves off last week, serve the Lord. Very clear, three very concise words. And now he picks up in verse 15. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose this day who, you, who you're going to serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. People answered and said, Far be it from us that we should 
forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is He who brought us up and us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. And also we will also serve the Lord, for He is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. And if you forsake the Lord, serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after He has done you good. People said, No, but we will serve the Lord. Verse 22, And Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves. You have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. Um, Now therefore he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you. Incline your heart to the Lord your God. Verse 24, The Lord said to Joshua, And the people said to Joshua, The Lord God we will serve. And His voice will 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 we obey. He goes on and makes a covenant with the people on God, with with the people and with God, Father, I thank you for this passage of Scripture, Lord. It's very clear cut. It's as relevant today as it was. Goodness, I think five thousand, four thousand, five hundred years ago when it was when the incident happened. It's just as relevant today. What Joshua charged the people with, you're charging us with today, Lord. And it's, it's never been a more important moment, a more important time, than today to do what you have us to do. So bless us. Bless our study of your word. Teach us. Guide us. Direct us through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So now, he says this. First thing he says is, he says, serve the Lord. He gives them a clear-cut decision. He starts verse 15 by saying, now if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve. Now he doesn't necessarily mean the word. If it doesn't seem right to serve the Lord, choose this day who you're going to serve. Make a choice. I mentioned some verses last week. Jesus said, you can't serve God and possessions. Why can't you serve both God and possessions? Somebody tell me. If you know Jesus' words, that's fine. If you have a practical answer, that's another answer. That's that's fine too. Why can't we serve God and serve our stuff? They contradict. All right? They're going to come into conflict. Now, does the Bible say we can't serve God and have stuff? No, it doesn't. We find wealthy people through Scripture. But we can't serve God and all the stuff we've got. And my goodness, that's a draw, isn't it? We, we look at what we have, we look at the stuff, and we say, am I going to serve God or am I, would I rather serve my stuff? One of my favorite Bible illustrations, one of the first, when I was, te- when I was taking a Bible teaching course, I think it was. I'm trying to remember what it was called. And we had to take a Bible story. You did a... Um, Speech class. It was a speech class? Yeah, we took a speech class together in college, and Mary's was on washing, um, Nahum being washed in the river. And I chose this story where um, Elijah is on Mount Carmel. I'm not going to turn there, but, it, but the illustration that happened then is that, that, that God said almost the exact same thing. He lived in a place where the people of the, of the, 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 the Jews kept. They, they served God one day and they'd serve the other God the other day. We're talking about Baal. Alright? We're not talking about some minor. We're not talking about television. We're, talk, we're talking like they were serving Baal and God at the same time. So uh, they decided to have this great contest. And, and the contest is between this against Elijah and all the prophets of Baal. But when that starts, he says this. He says, 
How long are you going to jump back and forth between two views? The literal Hebrew word there, and I couldn't believe when I looked it up, it was, it was this kind of picture. One day I'm serving God. One day I'm serving Baal. Now I'm going to serve God. Now I'm going to serve Baal. Alright? That's the literal meaning of that Hebrew word. Jumping back and forth. Go to church Sunday and say, Amen, Hallelujah, praise God. How you doing, brother? And you get out and we get out of here on Sunday. We might make it through Sunday. We're at work Monday morning and we're tempted to cheat or lie or do whatever we need to do. And we're all, all that wonderful Sunday stuff's forgotten. Come time for, I don't know, settling your taxes or or just being honest and doing the right thing and caring for people and maybe somebody needs a favor and you know you can help them but you'd rather watch your television program than help out a brother. Alright? It's, it's practical everyday stuff. Job, Elijah said, how long are you going to keep jumping back and forth between serving God and serving Baal? He put it as clear as it could be. Just like Joshua puts it. If the Lord be God, follow Him. If Baal's going to be God, follow Him. And that's a challenge that we as Christians have got to take to heart. Who, what are we going to serve? Elijah laid it flat out there. And, 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 and um, Joshua does the same thing here. If you don't want to serve God, don't say you're going to serve God. And serve Baal. If you're not going to do it, don't do it. Don't play this halfway game. If you don't want to serve God, then quit playing the game. And the tragedy is there are way too many game-playing, professing Christians in the world today. When when uh, the letter to, I think it was, was is it Sardis where they're told about being lukewarm? I think it was the church of Sardis, Dan. I'm sorry? Laodicea. The church at Laodicea in the book of Revelation um, their problem is, is that God says they're lukewarm. And that feeling, and, what God, and God said to them, I'd rather you be cold or hot. Makes sense with a drink, doesn't it? I like a hot cup of tea. I like a glass of iced tea. Okay? Um, good southern drinks, sweet iced teas, lovely refreshing summer drink. I like a cup of scald as well. But have you ever picked up, you you forgot how cold your tea has gotten? It's been sitting there longer than you thought, and you pick it up, and you take a big gulp, and you realize it's bleh. It's that horrible, lukewarm stuff where the milk has started to separate. It's wretched. God says, I'd rather you be cold or hot. If you're going to be lukewarm... This is going to sound, if you don't know the verse, be ready. This is going to sound, this is one of those Bible passages that sounds almost too gross to be Bible. God says, if you're going to be lukewarm, it makes me sick. I want to vomit you out of my mouth. Okay? This decision about who we're going to serve is important. He says, you need to choose who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve God? Are you going to serve the God you left behind? On the other side of the Jordan River? Are you going to serve the old gods of this land? So some of them had obviously become Jews and they were. And so which one are you going to serve? You've got to choose to serve one of these. 
He lays it out there. Joshua's about done, alright? His leadership is about done. He says, you make a decision. Um, and, and there's three things that really, that this decision requires when we decide whether we're going to serve God or not. I'll give you another example. Paul wrote to the Roman church in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He said, I beseech, I beg, I implore you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. For this is your reasonable service. God wants a commitment from us. There really is not much room for halfway Christianity. It requires a commitment. We need to commit by the grace of God to what we're going to say and what we're going to do. It requires compassion. We need a heart of love. And it requires that we concede to God's leadership. It requires commitment, compassion, and concession. Um, but then the end of the verse. Tremendously challenging verse. Joshua says, listen, you guys do what you want. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. He makes a determination you do what you you have to decide. That's also an indication about how we can't force our faith on people, isn't it? Sometimes we think we can cram our religion down somebody's throat and make them believe what we can believe. We may think we can force somebody to accept our convictions. We may think we can force somebody to accept our own standards. But God, but but Joshua lays it out here. We have a choice. Elijah said the same thing. Paul says, "I beseech you to change." It happens over and over. Jesus said, "You can't serve God and Mammon. It's got to be one or the other." But so Paul lays it out there. Here it is, you guys. You need you need you need to choose who you're going to serve. But then Paul makes a statement that brings, or, or um, Joshua makes a statement that brings it home. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That tells me a lot. It tells me, number one, that this was a personal decision. Elijah laid the message out there. Now, was he responsible for how they were going to respond? Was he? No. Think about the watchman in Ezekiel where God sets up a watchman and he's told to warn the people. And he and then and the watch and then God says, if you heed the watchman, he says, I don't remember the phrase, but he says if you don't warn them, the blood's going to be on your hands. If you're doing the job you're supposed to do, it's up to them. Make the, may they make their own choice. This is a personal choice. This is for every person, every believer, especially in this room this morning, to make it. Even for non-believers, this is a personal decision. It's not a corporate decision we can make as a church. We can't vote. We can suggest. We can pray about it. And we can decide that we're going to do all the best we can do to serve the Lord together as a church. But when it comes right down to it, there's only one person that you can decide for when it comes to serving the Lord. And that's you. He says, for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And make a very personal decision. Um, we will serve the Lord. And the thing is, the truth is here, it's a family decision. It's a decision that the, home, the leader of the home must make. If we as husbands and fathers and mothers and leaders of the household, whatever household we're in, if we can't set an example, we can't expect the rest of the family to follow. Leading our home is serving the Lord. Must be high on our priority list. Now, are, are our children always going to follow in our direction when they get to be adults? Not gonna, you can't be guaranteed that. It doesn't happen. 
But again, it's like the watchman. They've got to answer for their own. We've done everything we can do. We lead our home to serve the Lord. But eventually, each child in our home is going to have to decide for themselves if they've made the choice to serve the Lord. When our children are young, we can decide, yes, this is the way my family is going to go. But eventually our children have to make their own decision because it's a personal choice. As for me, the day is going to come when my children have, or my children, some have said, that for me and my house, and sometimes they're not going to say we're going to, I'm going to serve the Lord. Sometimes they make their own decisions. But there's a commitment. And everybody in this room this morning, we need to decide, are we going to serve the Lord? So the nation of Israel does this. How, how do they respond? And boy, they're all excited. Joshua must have been a powerful, powerful leader. He challenges them, starting in verse 16. People, people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake God. We're not going to forsake God. Down to verse 18 it says, We will also serve the Lord, for He is our God. Now there's a lot of debate about what he means by also serve the Lord. Um, some people think that they were agreeing with Joshua, but in the verses that follow... Joshua warned him he knows their hearts you can't serve the Lord he's a holy God he's a jealous God he will not forgive your transactions nor your sins um, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods so when they say here that we will also serve the Lord um, and I'm convinced that this is the after all my study I'm convinced that what the Jewish what the nation of Israel is saying they're saying yes we are also going to serve God. We are going to add God to the list of gods that we serve. And I am inclined that way because the next verse says, because Joshua questions their hearts. He's driving the point home. We can't put God on our, on our God shelf. When you read up the stories in the, when, when the, coming up to the book of the, the series of Kings, and the problem that happens is over and over again, they restore God's place in this temple, but they don't tear down the, the they don't tear down the false altar. They don't tear down the altar to the false gods. They leave them up. They don't purge the place of their false gods. And every time they do, there's a problem. And that's a pattern they set. Joshua knew the challenge was going to come. That's why he says what he says. He says because they were going to try to add God to the rest of their gods, and they weren't going to purge the false gods off of their God shelf. But they were going to serve both. So Joshua says, no, 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 no. You can't serve God because if you go back and forsake the Lord, um, uh, then God's not going to forgive your your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He'll turn away and do you harm and consume you. So God is going to bring judgment, but they persist. No, but we will serve the Lord. Do you see the difference what they said the first time and, and what they say now? They said, we will also serve the Lord. Now they say, no, we will serve the Lord. We are going to follow God. We are going to follow God completely. And that's what we've got to get into our heads. That's when the church begins to thrive and to move forward. That's why I think sometimes the church thrives under adversity because what, what, what happens under adversity is all those other props are taken away from us. They're all knocked out from us. And when we don't have the choice, 
and we can say, no, I am going to serve God. And this isn't a partway decision. It's an everyday decision. It doesn't just mean going to church. It doesn't just mean being baptized and joining a church. It doesn't just mean that we read our Bibles and pray every day. It means our lives change completely when we truly serve God. We give God primary, first, absolute first place in our life. They said, no, we will do it. Joshua reminds them back in verse 19 and 20, God is a holy God. God demands singular worship. The people say, yes, we will serve the Lord. Verse 23, the test comes again. Now therefore put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. The evidence was that they've been through all this. They crossed the Jordan River. They conquered the land. And obviously there were, they were still holding on to their false gods. The evidence is get rid of the false gods out of your life. That's the proof that's in the tasting that we do we put away the false gods or do we keep bringing them up? We talked about some of those false gods last week. Money and popularity and fame and, 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 and possessions and stuff that we have out there. And God said, Joshua says, if you're really going to serve God, let's see the evidence. Get rid of the, Don't let those things come first. That's what, all through the scriptures, God talks about how His people, first Israel... And then the church. One of the things he commands to do all the time is to care for the poor. And so it means and in part and one evidence of that is is the whole the whole idea the whole idea of giving to God's work. What's more important? Are we really, really willing to put those false gods away? And then they say, Yeah, we, we're we're going to put those false gods away. We're gonna do it. God's a holy God. Then he, the, 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 the evidence, of the, the way they do that, the way they start doing that, is that they have to incline their hearts to the Lord. You notice, where is it? Verse uh, twenty. Um, yeah, verse twenty-three. Get rid of the false gods and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. That tells me. That tells us. It can't just be an outward change. Where does the change come from? It comes from our heart. The Bible says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The Bible says, Guard your heart with all guarding. Keep your heart with all guarding. Because out of your heart come the issues of life. It can't just be an external change. I spent a lot of my time as a believer, decades even, involved in churches and involved in ministries that stress the outside change. And they figured if they get the outside change right, the inside is going to conform. Folks, it does not work. As Is it Mercy Me sing the song? Um, you got to change the heart before you change the shirt or something like that? One of their songs. And, and the truth is, if, 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 if we don't change our hearts, it's just putting clean clothes over a dirty heart. And that doesn't work. We've got to incline our hearts to the Lord. It's a matter of heart attitude between us and God. When I get up in the morning, who do I seek to serve? I'm talking to Roger like everybody else. Am I inclining my heart to the Lord? Am I inclining my heart toward all the stuff that I have and all the things I want to do? There's got to be a change of heart. Um, what's, what, why is the heart so bad? Doesn't the Bible say... The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. 
Follow your heart. Really? Seriously? Follow your heart when it's deceitful and desperately wicked. Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Follow that? No, there needs to be a change of heart. If we're going to be following God, if we're going to do the work that God wants you and me to do as individuals, if we're going to do the things God wants us to do as Nath Baptist Fellowship, we have each one have got to incline our hearts to the Lord and follow Him. Seek those opportunities to, 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 to do good, to share His Word with people. It's so hard. We live in such a rush, rush generation. It's been going on for a long time. That's a silly thing to say because it's been going on for many, many decades. We live in a rush, rush generation. And sometimes we don't have time for other people. But because where is our heart inclined? Incline your hearts and seek God's way, seek God's will. Are our, do we have a change of heart in our lives? Changing the outside is never enough. To incline your hearts, keep them with all diligence. In verse 24, they proclaim, the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and His voice we will obey. They claim they're going to listen to God and obey His voice. We, you know, we have... Uh, these people had to depend on prophets. They had to depend on visions. But the truth is, though, that we have God's Word on our phones, on our tablets, on our laps, on our computers, wherever they might be, we have God's Word. And he said, we, he said, incline your heart. The, the, we, we, um, program I knew. Yeah, verse 24, they said, His voice we will obey. Where do we get God's voice today? I'm not denying that God can speak in dreams and visions at times. That does happen. But even in dreams and visions, where does God's voice come? have to go back to? It's got to be in compliance with the Word of God. I will obey His voice. Not a matter of hearing a good preacher, so I'm going to do what he says. No, it's a matter of inclining a heart to the Lord and then proclaiming with, proclaiming like the people did that they should, they need to. Um, they say they they will hear his voice. So Joshua made a covenant with his people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Joshua were, Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. He took a large stone and set it up. He set up a memorial. And we need to have these memorial stones in our lives. There need to be times in our life that we can look back on and say, God truly spoke to my heart that day. We may not set up a stone. He may not go set up a monument. But there are places that we need to remember that God spoke to our hearts. My One of my key spots in my life is right here in Nace. Um, I've told you the story before. It's up by... Uh, Tandy Bridge. You know where Tandy Bridge is? It's the one that has the old abandoned cottage on the side of it. If you're walking through town, the old abandoned cottage, there's a bench there. And that is one of my memorial places. because That's the place that God spoke to me. And I mark that place and I remember that place constantly because that's the place that God told me in my heart of hearts that when we got discouraged, that this is where God wants us to be. We need to have those milestones in our lives. The day of salvation. The day of of dedicating ourselves or giving ourselves to the Lord. The day when God did a great work. But it goes back to this. Look at one thing, we're finished here. Was it enough just to have this event happen and they were supposed to go home and remember it? Verse 27 starts with, Joshua wrote these words in a book. 
Why did he write them in a book? Any guesses? Hudson? Help you remember them. And the book is going to be there. Isn't it? Do, you, do your memories change? Do you remember everything perfectly? No. I can hardly remember from day to day. Like this morning when I was setting up, um, getting things ready this morning, and I could not find, we've, we've got the, the slideshow on a stick here this morning. At some point I had stuck my, the stick in my pocket. I got everything set up. Oh no, where's the stick? What am I going to do? I didn't do this, obviously. I said, where's the stick? I looked here. I thought I dropped it. Went out to the car. Got looked through my bag. Where did I put that stick? Then I realized, oh yeah, it's in my pocket. Alright? Because we forget things. But I can take my Bible. Remember what Job said? Job said at one point, Job said, oh, that my words were written in a book. That's why we as Christians are people of the book. Because God's word doesn't change. If you knew Hebrew or Greek and you were allowed into the archives of the Chester Beatty Library, you could look at the ancient Bible manuscripts, some of them over 2,000 years old, 17, 18, 1900, 2,000 years old. There's Bobby's Bible manuscripts there. And if you're in a place where you could get access to them and you could translate Greek and you looked up you looked in the Septuagint and you found the passage we read today you'd find the exact same passage God's word doesn't change God preserves his word if we are going to make a decision to serve the Lord we've got to decide we're going to be people of the book and folks to be honest with you it's not enough to come here and hear me preach for a half hour every week I'm trying to learn Irish on Duolingo. All right? I'm not real serious about it because I'm only giving it five minutes a day. Okay? If I were serious, I'd have to give it a lot more time than five minutes a day, but that's all I can handle is five minutes a day. If we're serious about God and we're serious about His Word... We've got to be people of the book. We've got to leave this place. We've got to spend time with God. We've got to read His Word. Um, there's, there's a, if you don't, you know, if you, if you don't want to spend the time, there's a wonderful, um, there's a wonderful devotional series you can listen to on podcast. A daily devotional will take five minutes, maybe. And if there's a scripture reading, an application of scripture, you can read. We need to be in Bible studies. We need to be looking. We live in a day. The internet is a dangerous place, right? We've never had more access to tools to study the scripture than we have today. If you want to do a Bible study on any topic, you can find it online. Now check with somebody who knows the websites before you jump into it and believe everything it says. But we need to be people of the book. Joshua, the first thing he did, he wrote the words in a book. So from then on, look, look, you said right here, you said right here in this book that you were going to follow God. All right, it's it's here. We wrote it. We kept a record of it. You're going to follow God. We have God's word in our hearts today, folks. We need to decide who are we going to serve. We're going to serve the same false gods that are have been wrecking our lives, that are wrecking the world that's out there today. Are we going to serve God with all of our heart? Are we going to serve Him? And we have the source of doing it in God's word. If we're going to change society, we're not going to do it. 
by working to have laws changed. Nothing wrong with that necessarily. But we change our culture. We change our society one heart at a time. And we do that through sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Seeing hearts conform to the world, to the kingdom of God. That's what serving the Lord is all about. Yeah, we give, we, 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 we help the poor, we do all those things. We're good, we're good employees, we're good spouses, we're good neighbors. We do all that for a good testimony. But you know why we do all that? So we can have an answer about why we act the way we do. And the answer is here. Will we choose to really serve the Lord as we move forward? Are we going to be like the Israelites, jumping back and forth? God, the world. God, the world. God, the world. Can't keep doing that, folks. Not forever. we got to decide. Choose you this day who you will serve. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the challenge from it. Lord, it's a tough thing to do. We don't have much support when we make decisions to follow you. We don't have a whole lot of born-again Christians in this country. We don't, we have, but Lord, we have each other. We have you and we have each other. And I pray, Lord, that in our hearts, that we would incline our hearts to you. As we begin each day, Lord, I would not be, I would not incline my heart to the things of the world, the worldly stuff I want to get done. My heart might be inclined towards you. As I go to work, as we're out driving around, as we're shopping, as we're talking to people, as we're on walks, we might incline our hearts to you so that people can see you living in us. In my devotions, I think it was last week, I read the passage that says, you have put on Christ. Lord, that's the ultimate picture of what it means to follow you, putting on Christ. Do people see you in us? And Father, as we remember the words that Joshua found it so important that he wrote these things down in a book. And we have that book before us. What a precious gift we have. Help us to be people of the book as we, as we choose to follow you. Amen. All right.